Welcome to In the Studio with Michael Card. What you are about to hear was recorded several years ago at the Mole Inn Studio. Though some of the details about guests and ministries may have changed over the years, the powerful lessons from the music and conversations are as true as when we first heard them. You can stay current with Michael's music and teaching ministry via Facebook or Twitter when you search for Michael Card. Now, join us for this classic edition in the studio. In the studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Welcome to our broadcast today. Michael, this so often happens. By the time we begin actually putting the program together, we've spent much time in conversation with our guests already. I, I feel mm-hmm. like that we are much richer for the time with our guests today. Oh, uh, me too. And, that, and I always look forward to you and Joe coming down because it, it really is it's a time of fellowship. And uh, well, so talked, thank you for coming. We've talked about this before. Community is one of the values we have on this program. And that happens on the air and it happens off the air. Mm-hmm. And I'm just uh, thrilled to be a part of it. I'm mm-hmm. glad that we can turn the mics on now so our listeners can be a part yeah, of this me as too. well. Me too. We are going to have a conversation today with Brennan Manning about his book, Rabbi's Heartbeat. And Michael, to set up that conversation, we're going to ask you to sing a song, Jesus, Let Us Come to Know You. Now, John Ketchings, mm-hmm accompanies you with his cello on this song. We often hear John musically on the broadcast, but don't often get a chance to talk with him. him We are going to get that chance today in the second half of the program. But Michael, we'd love to hear this song right now. His song is a very simple prayer. Uh, Jesus, let us come to know you. Ready? Mm Mm-hmm. And that 
song, I believe, is a great introduction to our guest and our topic here in the studio today. Thank you, Michael. Mm-hmm. Once again, we welcome Brennan Manning to the studio, someone that I know that you always enjoy talking with. Actually, Brennan has been a great encouragement and teacher mentor for you. Yeah, since he? since about 1983 or four, um, we actually I read one of his books and just we started writing and. Uh, and I wrote him a letter and sort of prodded him a little bit, teased him a little bit, and I got this wonderful letter teasing me back, and we've been good buddies ever since. <laughs> Brennan, welcome. Thank you, Wayne. Now, um, you have a new book out called The Rabbi's Heartbeat, and I know Michael has a long list of questions. I've read through the book, and it, it's so intimate, uh, the relationship that we should be having with Christ. We'll get to that intimacy, and I know Michael has questions for you. But the question I have is, why do you call him Rabbi? Uh, in the book title. Is there some special significance to the intimacy there? Yes. Uh, specifically, our Jewish brothers and sisters are upset by referring to the Old and the New Testament. For them, their testament is not the Old Testament. It's the First Testament. And the Christian scriptures are the Second Testament. The reference to Let me back up. Growing up in Brooklyn, New York, the largest Jewish community in the world, I was surrounded by Jewish culture, Jewish values, Jewish spirituality. Uh, Among my closest friends were Jews. And, of course, one of my hobbies has been the study of Yiddish humor. Hmm. There are some wonderful stories in the Yiddish tradition, (laughs) like the story of Israel Schwartz. (laughs) One day, Israel Schwartz said to Yahweh, Yahweh! Is it true that for you, a thousand years is just a minute? And Yahweh said, yes, I see, that is true. And Yahweh, is it true that for you, a million dollars is just a penny? And Yahweh said, yes, I see, that is true. Israel Schwartz said, Yahweh, give me a penny. <laughs> and Yahweh said, certainly, it'll only take a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to speak for a minute right now. <laughs> But my connection with the Jewish community, with referring to Jesus as rabbi, the most Christ-like man I've met in my life, apart from Dominic Wyom in France, was Rabbi Mark Tannenbaum. I met him in 1956 in the seminary, and he embodied to me the integrity, the compassion, and what it what a, how a man could be fully a man without in any way uh, getting into the imposter, uh, being an entertainer, but simply being straightforward. And my identity with the Jewish community, my ties with the Jewish community have been deeply significant over the years. And so to referring to Jesus as rabbi, the second reason is he has been my teacher. Mm-hmm. No one. As my spiritual director out in Colorado said two weeks ago, Brennan, do you realize that God has shown you the meaning of life? And it stunned me. Mm-hmm. To know the meaning of life because of Jesus Christ, the teacher. Well, He's that... been a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. I just thought there might be something behind the use of that term. It brings out uh, a part of Jesus that we sometimes don't think about enough, Michael. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Brennan. Well, the the book is based on uh, the biblical passage uh, where John leans into uh, Jesus 
and actually hears. I mean, it's it's based on a story that comes out of that tradition. Uh, could you tell us that story? Yeah, what happened there was I was out on a uh, silent retreat uh, in uh, Colorado, and my spiritual director suggested that I spend f- five, de- five days uh, reading John's Gospel. And what happened was every time that I opened John's Gospel, I found, went to chapter 13, verses uh, uh, 21 to 23, and it's where the Apostle John... Now, remember, this is a 23-year-old kid Hmm. in an incredible gesture of intimacy, lays his head on the chest of Jesus. Hmm. And the premise is, if you lay your head long enough on the chest of Jesus and listen to his heartbeat, you will come to an intimate, heartfelt knowledge of Christ that is beyond any kind of head knowledge, beyond any kind of theology, beyond any kind of poetry, beyond any kind of the uh, thousands of books that have been read over the years. And yeah, really beyond words at all, right? It's a wordless, uh, mystical, can I use the word mystical? It's a mystical relationship. It is. It's, the truth is that Jesus wants to communicate his heart to us more than we want to hear it. Hmm. And the prayer of the heart, getting out of the head, and this endless mental conversation that is going on all the time Mm -hmm. with our families, our ministries, our friends, our careers, our projects, to drop into the center of yourself, to get in touch with your heart, and just listen to the heart of Jesus brings a kind of knowledge that is not available in any other fashion. Mm. And the way we get there, we've talked about this before we open the mics here today, the way we get there is through silence. Yes, the Christian tradition emphasizes, and as long, this is goes not recent, this goes back to the uh, early church fathers back in the uh, second, third, and fourth centuries, that God gives himself to you completely only in silence and in solitude. I have found that in evangelical prayer, the typical prayer is of short duration and it's quite verbose. There's quickly reading some scripture, reflecting for a moment on what the passage means, and then there's a grocery list of people to intercede for, and maybe close with the Lord's Prayer. Hmm. But it's all talking, no listening, all head, not enough heart. When you lay your head on the rabbi's heartbeat, and by the way, he says, Come, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open, I'll come in and sit down beside you. Not across the table, but I'll sit down beside you and you come and lay your head on my chest as John did in the upper room. Hmm. The invitation is there. Simply to grow still with Jesus, to grow in faith. It is indispensable to me to spend every day and realistically, 20 minutes in the morning, uh, 20 minutes in the evening. I mean, there is other time for scripture reading. There's other time for intercessory prayer. Mm-hmm. But this is simply a time of silence, a time of silent listening. And get rid of all spiritual materialism. By that I mean 
don't evaluate the prayer at the end of the 20 minutes by saying, oh, nothing happened. Mm. I was continually bored. I was continually distracted. Mm. Nothing happened. How did I feel? How did I feel? (laughs) But from Jesus' point of view, holy mackerel. (laughs) He shows up, she shows up every day and gives me the most precious thing they have, their time. Wow. Brennan, we all benefit so much from Michael's music. It just occurs to me that Michael's got a song that fits this moment perfectly. It's called In Stillness and Simplicity, right, Michael? Yeah, and I think this book, this song really came from one of your books as well. So I would love to hear song this for you. song. Yeah. In stillness and simplicity In the silence of the heart I see The mystery Stillness and simplicity In stillness and simplicity I hear the Spirit's silent plea That you, O Lord, are close to me In stillness and simplicity You're the song says it all. Wow. This sounds like someone who's been reading Brennan Manning books, actually. (laughs) That's where that song came from. I would just like to add this, that this period of 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening is literally impossible for parents who have small children. Mm -hmm. I don't want to impose impossible burdens there. So what I would suggest there is just spontaneous prayers throughout the day, uh, which represent your desire to maintain contact with Jesus, but don't go laying a guilt trip on yourself because you find that impossible, or you're getting up at three o'clock in the morning. And I think a lot of uh, a lot of listeners took comfort in what you just well, said. I love what Brother Lawrence did. Uh, practices the presence of uh, God. When whenever he sensed that he had failed, he wouldn't uh, put the burden back on himself. He would pray. Lord, if, if you let me go, if you take your hand away, I'm always going to do the same thing. So whatever you do, don't take your hand off me. Mm-hmm. I think that's a much, that's a much, uh, much better approach. You know, yes. oh, I've, oh, oh, I failed. I do too, oh, I didn't pray my 20 yes. minutes. Well, Lord, don't take your hand off me because I'm always going to fail if you don't stay close to me. So. We are talking with Brennan Manning in the studio today with Michael Card, and we're going to talk further now. But I want to point out that going hand-in-hand with a book that you've written, The Rabbi's Heartbeat, is a song that, after Michael read the book, 
he wrote, and we're going to ask Michael to sing that for and us. You know, I year. am positively thrilled with this mm. song. Uh, to me, it not only captures the theme of the book, but like a good inspired song will do, it'll take it a step further. Mm. So, yeah, please, we'll ask, let's hear that. We'll ask Michael to sing it for us here in just and a few moments. And the title of it is? The Rabbi's Heartbeat. The Rabbi's Heartbeat. But before we get to that point, we'll conclude the segment, actually, with a song. But okay. before we get to that point, let's get back into what Brennan is saying in the book, Michael. Before we listen to that last song, uh, we, we were talking about uh, where the song came from uh, biblically and Jesus' invitation to come and lay our head uh, on his chest, as it were, to hear his mm-hmm. to hear his heart, and 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 Brennan, you've been a person who has encouraged for years has has encouraged me in so many different ways. I mean, you engage the imagination. I mean, that's your thing. You engage with the imagination so well. Um, it, but in your own experience, can you remember um, maybe the first time or maybe the most powerful time when you sensed the rabbi's heartbeat? Can you think back to one time, or is that not fair to ask for just one experience? Oh, yeah. That's, that's as vivid in my mind as if it happened yesterday. Mm. And it was February 8th of 1956. Wow. I was making, got to the 12th station, said, Jesus uh, dies on the cross. The rubric of the book said, kneel. And the Angelus bells in the distance were ringing. I knew it was exactly uh, noon. And I knelt down, and at five minutes after three, I got off my uh, knees and realized the greatest adventure of my life had just begun. And during those three hours, Jesus took me to a place I'd never been. He took me into his heart. I had heard in grade school, in high school, from the priests, the nuns, the brothers, that Jesus died on the cross for me. But it was all abstract knowledge. It was a head trip. It wasn't related to the gut issues of life like money, sex, power, fame. And suddenly it became real knowledge calling for an engagement of the mind and the heart. And from that day, my Christian life became totally Jesus-centered, even though in the Catholic tradition I was raised in, there was so much emphasis on uh, sacramentality. But the person of Jesus and the the indescribable beauty of Jesus, the without his compelling personality, Christianity was never become a fact of history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's been the center of my life going back now uh, over 40 years. Mm-hmm. But even in describing that experience, and you write about this so openly and honestly in your book, even after that experience, I mean, life has had its ups and downs and challenges and frustrations for you, and yet you always come back to him, don't you? Yes. Uh, Because of his faithfulness. His faithfulness. Yeah. His refusal to let me go. I am a living witness to the myth, once converted, fully converted, (laughs) (laughs) that once you're converted to Jesus, you'll never have a bad thought, have an unkind word. And you're something like like a patient etherized on a table hmm. that you're completely immobile. <laughs> what does the hymn writer say? Uh, flowery beds of ease, Didn't, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'd like to just close with a word before we hear Michael's song that uh, there's been a lot of attention paid to me in this program. And the simple fact is of your kindness, Wayne, and the years I've known you for Michael, you are much closer to Jesus than I am. Mm. You're one of the most, among the, when I list five Christ-like people in my life, 
you are right there on top mm. of the list. And it's really with honor mm. that I call you my friend. And I can't tell you the delight mm. of meeting you today, Wayne, mm. and Thank sharing you. this program. Mm. Likewise. Thank you. I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. Thank you. Perhaps the best thing to do at this moment is hear the song that, Michael, came to your heart and mind after reading Brennan's book, mm-hmm. The Rabbi's Heartbeat. In the studio, here's Michael Card. Or hear the holy hidden power 
Baba for all our viewers. If I had my life to live over again, I'd climb more mountains, swim more rivers, and watch more sunsets. But most of all, I would love your son Jesus and those around me, and I would let them know before life's evening. Ah, but you know how I live every day, kind of prophylactically. I never go anywhere without a hot water bottle, a gargle, a raincoat, an umbrella, a parachute, and a raft. Hmm. But if I had my life to live over again, I'd take a few more chances next time. I'd have more real problems and fewer imaginary ones. I'd ride more merry-go-rounds, I'd pick more daisies, I'd go barefoot earlier in the spring and stay out later in the fall. But most of all, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to bless every listener here mm -hmm. and draw them closer to your heart, to the glory of the Father. Mm -hmm. Amen. Lord Jesus, allow us to be the ones who come close and lean against, lean into, lean upon you. Uh, give us ears to hear your heart uh, amidst all the confusion and all of the, the mixed messages, uh, the, con the confusing messages. Uh, allow us to hear that, uh, that's, that silent message, that wordless message uh, of who you are and what you mean and and, and how, you, how you are towards us, that you are the one who would pursue us, would uh, drive us uh, into the banquet that we keep, for some reason, we keep fleeing away from. Um, thank you for being uh, so unlike anything we could have ever dreamed of or expected. Thank you for uh, your faithfulness to us uh, when we are so uh, consistently unfaithful. Thank you for uh, being kind to us when we are so unkind to each other. Uh, we love you, and we, we have to ask for grace to love you and love each other more and uh, more like you. So we ask that in your name. Amen. Brennan Manning, thank you for being with us in the studio today. I want to point out that Brennan's book, The Rabbi's Heartbeat, comes with a CD of that song we just heard Michael sing, The Rabbi's Heartbeat. So mm -hmm. we want to mention that. Michael, uh, yeah, thank you. And I want to thank you, Brennan, for coming all the way from New Orleans. Uh, I know you have some other uh, speaking engagements while you're up here, but thanks for giving us this time. Thanks for opening yeah. your heart to me, Michael, for all these years. And Wayne, what a delight to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Brennan. I'm sure we've all been challenged by today's conversation in the studio with Michael Card. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with us to tell us how God is using this program or to pass along a Bible question, send your email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Patty did that and said, I thank God for this program and what I learned about God during it. Thanks to all of you for your work and your answering God's call to share your insights and talents with believers. Well, thank you, Patty. We're thankful for each message that comes in. Again, our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. Our radio audio archive is available if you miss any part of today's conversation or know someone who needs to hear the entire interview. This useful feature is easily found at www.michaelcard.com. 
We post the past four weeks of broadcasts on the web for your convenience. CD copies and transcripts of all of our programs are also available. And if you'd like more information about this week's edition or Michael's teaching and music ministry, including his new eight-CD teaching set on the life of Peter, join us on the web at www.michaelcard.com. Again, the web address is simply michaelcard.com. Well, after this break, we'll hear from our friend John Ketchings and his cello. So keep listening here on the Moody Broadcasting Network. Look for next week's Independence Day celebration edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. Join us as we welcome back Ayandu Kamalo to talk with Michael about maintaining unity in the church in a multicultural world. And we'll feature a recording of a recent concert set from a Biblical Imagination Conference. Conversation that will give you food for thought and music to refresh your spirit waiting for you. Look for this current post and tell a friend about the podcast. Join us at michaelcard.com. course back in the studio and that is the unmistakable sound on the cello of our friend John Ketchings Michael that's right I, I was driving down the road the other day turned on public radio and there was some cello playing and I go that's John I could tell it was you and lo and behold it was you oh yep how about that yeah I was so impressed <laughs> so welcome back John well thank you Mike thank my you Wayne friend. glad to be back here with my buddies yeah is there anybody in Nashville you haven't played for, John? Um, there are probably a few people in Nashville that I wouldn't play for, actually. <laughs> but uh, no, I think I think sooner or later I've just about crossed everybody's path sure. and, and had a great time at it. Yeah. A lot of wonderful people live here, yeah. a lot of great musicians. Mm-hmm. And yet you play How Great Thou Art for us here. <laughs> We're privileged to have you here, John. Oh, thanks. <clears throat> you bring that wonderful instrument with you. Um, and it has such personality, too, just to look at it, doesn't it, Mike? Well, it, it's putting it kindly. It's it's covered with uh, signatures, actually. Actually, that's all it has. <laughs> that's what's holding it together? That's, that's sort of my is sort of my stock and trade with this instrument because uh, it has a sound that a microphone likes. And so just like the stories of a guy finding a cheap guitar at the pawn shop mm-hmm. that just works brilliantly yeah. and he's so happy and thrilled, this one works for me. In a concert hall? Nah. Uh, so out there, there's some listener who's got some bazillion-dollar cello that's just sitting there. And right now, they're thinking, I need to give that to John Ketchings so he can have a great instrument to play on. Oh, right, 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 right. Make, make him jealous. Play play something for okay. us there, would you, John? some clinics in the studio. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, start, I'm starting to choke up, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. John, you've been with us in the past on the program, and we'd love to have you come by. Actually, he's here more than we admit, uh, because often when you sing in the studio, we say, and Michael's accompanied by John Ketchings, right. He's, he's right there uh, adding the, the rich sound of this cello to your, to your so, music. That's right, but um, there's a lot more to John than his his gift. Uh, he and I were on the road a lot of years together, and I've seen John uh, put up with a tremendous amount of 
stuff. Okay, I, I see on why the road. John is back now. This is insurance. Right? Oh no 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 payback. Hey no 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 no. This is just him him being gracious because I don't know how many McDonald's we ate at and how many. How many uh, all-night drives in the van, in the Econoline van? Yeah, uh, he's he's talking about he's talking about the stuff where I would get grumpy because, you know, I was looking for like the I don't know like the steakhouse or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're on but, tour. We but, should be living higher than this. Huh? No, but I got to I got to tell you that 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 I I really cut my teeth as a player, getting out of my classical mindset purely. Hmm. Uh, and getting into a role where I could support a song, uh, sort of help a singer frame a song, never having done that before, Mike was the first guy who made me step up to the plate and swing. Mm-hmm. And so in spite of all the misses, <laughs> and in spite of uh, you know not holding the bat right and doing all this other stuff, I, 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 I somehow, through the grace of God, managed to get through it, and out of that grew a career. Mm-hmm. Well, what I was saying before, and that's true, yeah. thank you, but, um, but what I was saying before is there's a lot more to John than just his gift. And one thing that I talk a lot about is the fact that we are not we are more than our gifts. In fact, we aren't our gifts. And John has, uh, I mean, we've been friends for so long, and we've been through so many hard uh, experiences together on the road, and I've seen him, you know, I've, I've, I've seen John in every conceivable, you know, difficulty. And uh, just as as a brother, as someone who'd walk still walk through fire for you, and I'd walk I would walk through fire for him. Um, I, I just wanted us to to hear John talk because mm-hmm. I mean it, it's great to hear him play, and uh, but he has a whole lot more wisdom and experience that he can share with us. So that's why for me you're here. It's great, always oh, great to hear you play. Mm-hmm. That's high praise. Yeah, Thank and you, I want to hear the mousetrap uh, concerto before you leave. Not right now. Oh, okay. Just... <laughs> All right. There's a story behind that one. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. We'll find out later. Okay. John, how do you go about what you do? Um, do you, um, I mean, you do it as unto the Lord. Yes. In fact, um, uh, I can't, it's, it's very, I've never really talked with many people other than a couple of cello students of mine over the years about what transpires when you are um, stepping out of the way and mm. just allowing something something mystical to happen because you feel it physically as well. Mm. And there is such a, an intense joy and such an intense uh, uh, feeling of doing something that is right mm-hmm. and good it is so powerful that you, you have to come back to that time and time again. Mm-hmm. You can't when when your heart goes out um, of a situation and you're unhappy and you're you're not really it's just not really working for you. Then that's the time when you have to stop and reassess what it is that you're doing, what you're bringing to the mix, and whether or not that's actually a place for you. Mm-hmm. And I keep coming back to this this feeling all the time and I could be doing a Bach oratorio or I could be sitting down and just doing a very simple bass line to accompany a song someplace and that hits me mm. and I, I'm just I'm overjoyed and I'm overwhelmed and mm. I'm so thankful for for being able to participate in the creative spirit this way mm. that expresses it well doesn't it mm-hmm. I think of the line from the movie The Chariots of Fire I feel his pleasure when I run you know there you, you, go. you feel his pleasure when you play even if you're just kind of in the background in the mix yes huh? yeah. absolutely remarkable 
And C.S. Lewis talked about being surprised by joy. He'd be in the middle of doing something relatively mundane, and he would just get this experience of feeling God's presence, and it was joy for him. Yes. And he couldn't... And the the other thing is that people who... I think people who get into that uh, zone, if you will, Mm. um, also are experiencing uh, being a servant. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just... You have to be careful of the motivations for what you do, um, and you have to keep that in check. But if you're going in because you want to serve someone, you want to serve their craft, you want to serve their art, you want to serve their gifts, mm-hmm. then then with that in place, you're open to receive. Mm-hmm. Well, that transfers to a sure. lot of people doing a lot of things, well, does it? not just musicians. Well, the, the cello as a basin and a towel to, mm-hmm. to wipe feet, uh, to wash feet with, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John, you mentioned you haven't talked to too many others about this except a couple of other students. Do you, do you consciously mentor other students, musical, uh, others who would want to play the cello? Or? Well, it's it's mainly professionals, other professionals who come to me. They've Maybe they're having a, a physical problem with playing or they just want to have another set of eyes to help observe and maybe make comment upon how they're uh, doing certain things, or maybe there's something in my playing that they're curious about and they want to observe it and have me explain it. But you don't stiff-arm them when they come. <clears throat> no. You, you recognize that as an opportunity oh, for no, you no, to I give. Oh, no, no, I never do, and and, and uh, because I feel that's part of my duty as well is to serve uh, folks who are struggling against something, something that's blocking them. And sometimes it's not just physical. Sometimes it can be spiritual. So I I talk, I address the spiritual aspect of what we do as well as the physical parts. And, and hopefully then they can be open to experience some healing inside. Mm -hmm. Mike, that gets back to what you're talking about. We are not our gifts, but Mm -hmm. many times people sort of rest on their laurels and on their gifts and, and never get to the deeper. And that's what John's talking about here. Yeah, and and that's something that John has never done. He's he's never just just been his gift. I think he he in fact, as I know John, he's you've struggled with it. I mean, all all the while we were on the road, John would say, "Ah, oh, you know, this cello is an albatross around my neck." You know, he he never confused himself with his gift, which I think taught me a lot. But um, as as you're thinking about and 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 you see young musicians out there, and especially in the classical field, that was your original background but just even even aspiring young musicians in general i mean who would covet your you know wisdom and cover covet your uh advice i mean just in general i mean how do you how do you direct uh people who like that who come to you I, you know i've got I've, I've got this musical gift i mean what do i you know how can, do i serve what can i, I get there with it? all the practice huh? yeah. <laughs> right well i i always hearken back to to mike's advice often to um youngsters who want to be songbirds and that the first advice is serve your local church yeah. first hmm. yeah before you start to think about having any kind of uh, a career that would span the the continental united states mm-hmm. or a region or go around the world you need to to work within that body to try mm-hmm. to understand the struggles that people go through so that you are a part of the body 
fully, yeah. then you can start expanding outwards. Yeah, without that, you're not, you're not prepared exactly for, any, for right. the next assignment. Are so you? I always encourage them first. I say, you know, serve in your, in your church. If they have an orchestra or if they need music on a Sunday or a Wednesday or a Saturday or whatever, mm-hmm. go ahead, do that. And in the meantime, um, I think it's necessary to figure out how to make yourself valuable to people. That is, you have to be a tool for them. So if they want you to play the song in E-flat when your part's printed in D and you can't do it, the next thing you do is you teach yourself how to look at a chart and play it in a different key. Hmm. And if you get a number chart like they use in Nashville, same thing applies. If you don't know how to do a number chart, go home, figure it out, get some help, call your buddies do whatever it takes, practice with records, do all this other stuff. Yeah. But in every instance, there's an opportunity to serve. There's an opportunity to find a melody within yourself and to mm. turn that loose for the benefit of other people. And that is, that's, that's just a great place to be. Mm. I feel like we should pay a seminar fee to sit and listen <laughs> to music from John here today. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, right, right. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Uh, let me reel this back in for a moment. What part does prayer play in your art, John? Uh, every time I sit down behind the cello, I, I, I say a prayer. I, I, I say a prayer through the cello. Yeah. But before I start playing, every time it's there's a prayer involved. Um, for myself, that triggers a... So, some kind of a connection for me, a vertical connection. But then it goes, if it goes through me and comes out the instrument, then I'm making that horizontal connection to my colleagues and my friends and, and an audience perhaps. Mm. Um, and, mm. and, and I have to, I, I'm compelled to do that. You're playing with a purpose in mind. All, always. Always. It's, uh, I, I don't want to sit behind the cello and mark time. Yeah, not just entertain. N- no. I, I don't want to do that. I want to find the things inside a musical phrase. As, as I told somebody the other day, I said, if, it, if, if the hair on your forearm doesn't kind of like stand up, if you don't feel the electricity, yeah. then you haven't made the phrase. Yeah. You, have to, you have to bring something that reaches inside of people, grabs them by the heart, and gives them a squeeze. Yeah. And the thing that excites me about that, Mike, is that, you know, I'm sitting here as a non-musician listening to this musician say those things. I'm applying them to things in my life, and I hope listeners sure. are doing the same, you know? Sure. And it ought, it ought to apply. I remember when we were touring together, and uh, John would play in, any given, any single song, he would play differently every night. And as I look back on it, I used to forget the words all the time, and and I've come to realize that I was listening to him play, and he would play one of those lines that would make the hair stand up on the back of your uh, arm, and I I would go, ooh, and then all of a sudden I'd realize, what are the next words? What's the next line? I think that's a compliment. Well, that very high praise. Yeah, it's sort of tripping me up, but it was a compliment. Yeah. 
Well, what is this about uh, mouse tra- mouse trap concerto? You oh call yeah, it? every night I'd I'd beg him to do this, and he was always very gracious. And, to... and, until we got in front of that really huge audience, and everybody <laughs> sat there and looked at us, and I, I said, "That's the last time I'm doing this in public." But now I now I have been co- painted into a corner, yep. and I will do this for okay. you. Okay, right, you have a larger audience right now. As All a matter right. of we, fact, we, we got the mic turned on, right? Okay. So let's let's give this a try and see if I can make sense of it for the audience. But you have to listen carefully. It is a very short piece. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John (laughs) Cashins. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Now, have you done that on PBS? That's what I want to write. NPR. No, if I did, it would be the last time I would ever do it. (laughs) How about variations? Have you worked on variations on the mousetrap? That could be done. Yeah, that could be done. Okay, in your world, maybe. Right. I don't know. You get, you say you're creative. You say you're an artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, right. My artistry stops at mammals. <laughs> hey, John. Thanks for coming by the studio today. Oh, thanks, guys. It's been a gas. Yeah. Great to see you. Thanks for being my friend. Oh man, thank you very much. Michael, it's great to see the email that has come into the program here. We encourage that in the sure. studio at michaelcard.com is the address. And I'll give that again in just a moment. Not only do we get these e-requests, people requesting you sing songs in the program, mm-hmm. but we like it when people send us prayer requests. Absolutely. Absolutely. And questions about the Bible as well. Right. And the questions, let's, let's make clear, we're not presuming to be, you know, answer men. Uh, but this is a dialogue that we can have with sure. uh, with people who have questions. So added information to your own study of the word. Well, here's yeah. a question. And by the yeah. way, for each question that's used on the air, we are more than happy to send a copy of the scriptures. The New Living Translation mm-hmm. goes out to those listeners, so it's a nice added benefit to writing yeah. into us. Here. The good folks at Tyndale have provided those for us, which is, I think, a wonderful benefit. Well, this one is from Frank in Lagrange, Illinois. Remember, we talked about John the Baptist a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. here in the program, and that sparked a question. He said. You spoke about the episode related in the Bible where John, by inquiry through his disciples, asked Jesus whether or not he was the Messiah. And Frank says, this exchange has always bothered me, too. Is it possible that in this instance, John humbled himself by pretending not to know the answer to this question in order that his disciples, and we too, might hear the answer directly from Jesus? And then he goes on to offer some of his own thinking and explanation about things. But that's the question anyway, Michael. Yeah, um... I guess anything's possible. I mean, you know, there's a possibility. He says, is it possible that in this instant, yeah, I think anything's possible. But it's uh, hard to imagine that he would have sort of played along. In a yeah, sense. And, and I think that uh, I, I made the observation that I made based on uh, really understanding John as not as sort of this biblical paradigm, but as a real flesh and blood person who, though he had known Jesus from the womb, though he had uh, heard the voice of God say, this is my beloved son, um, I mean, if anybody should not have doubted who Jesus was, it should have been John. But yet when John is in prison, uh, well, let's look at the passage. Okay. This is Matthew 11, right. and this is from the NLT. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went off teaching and preaching in towns throughout the country. John the Baptist, who was now in prison, now John's in prison for not for doing anything wrong, but do, for doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. He's been preaching against Herod's adulterous marriage to his brother Philip's wife. Uh, and for doing the right thing, he goes to prison. Now, I don't know what that would do to you, to your mindset, Wayne, but that would oh, boy. Uh, not help me. Right. 
John the Baptist, who was now in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you really the Messiah we've been waiting for, or should we keep looking for someone else? And I say that is the most uh, astounding question in the Bible from the lips of John the Baptist who leapt in his own mother's womb. He Mm. says to Jesus, are you the Messiah, or should we look for someone else? And Jesus told him, go back to John and tell him about what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor You tell and tell him, God blesses those who are not offended by me. Because clearly John, I think, had been offended by him. And I think, you know, for, uh, for Frank, that's another point to say. I think clearly John has been offended. Uh, I, don't, I don't see this as him pretending, you know, not, you know, to understand who Jesus is so that Jesus can say it from his own lips. Although, like I said before, anything's possible. Mm -hmm. I think John, like you or like me or like any of us, has been scandalized by Mm -hmm. Jesus. Jesus has failed to meet his expectations, just like he fails to meet my expectations. And talked about that a lot on the program here. It's a a huge theme. And for me, one of the strongest uh, uh, proofs that this is really true is is John the Baptist, the very last person in the world who should have been scandalized, was scandalized. So, um, uh, you know, to Frank, I'll say, yeah, anything's possible, but I still, I still think John really stumbled because here he was in prison for doing the right thing, and uh, he eventually is going to give his life uh, in what seems to be a meaningless way, but in, in the end is not meaningless. None of us lose our lives for Jesus meaninglessly. And we certainly don't think anything less of John the Baptist for having posed the question. Oh, no. I mean, he, we take our place right alongside him and, and all the other great biblical heroes who are all thank God, pre- presented very realistically and very in, their, in all their fragileness and all their frailty from, you know, Adam all the way uh, through the disciples at the end who, mm-hmm. who do the wrong things and say the wrong things and who, who lose faith and who, uh, Peter especially, who denies Jesus. And the point of all that is, is that it's, it's, it's God's faithfulness to us that's the point. It's God uh, never letting go of us that that is the point. Frank, thank you for your question. Good question. It is rewarding that listeners are interacting with the Word with us. Absolutely. And Frank did a lot more than just, I mean, there there are two or three points that he makes. And and, and, and again, uh, we do encourage that kind of interaction. Indeed. And we're going to send Frank a copy of the NLT Bible. Here's another question. now, we've talked about this question ahead of time. This yes. is not a question that you would have necessarily asked yourself, right, <laughs> no. Michael? No. In fact, I said, you know, I have no answer for that question. Well, so. I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity <laughs> to say that again. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's from Larry or Betsy, but Larry and Betsy write to us and say, why is it that God wants to be glorified? Yeah. That question has never occurred to you. No. Um, why is it that God wants to be glorified? And, and I can only assume, I mean, it's like our, our last, like Frank, I'm just assuming and, and uh, uh, kind of reading into the situation, but I can only guess that that question comes from uh, the current uh, sort of discussion that's going on about worship and giving God glory and mm-hmm. and, and all that sort of thing. Um, and humanly speaking, of course, anyone who wants glory, that's a sort of an ego trip. Yeah, that, but, that can't be said at all. Well, maybe, maybe that's... Well, see, I'd never thought of that way until you just said that. Maybe that's what's behind the question, and I just hadn't, I hadn't seen it that way. Why is it that God wants to be glorified? And, and I think I, in the first place, I wouldn't have asked it that way. I think it's a given that God... Uh, 
the the word glory in the in the Bible has to do with with uh, weight. You know, C.S. Lewis has that famous book, The Weight of Glory. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so gl- glory is is a reflection of the nature of God. I mean, God is glorious, and the only appropriate response is to respond to that glory. Now, I'm not so sure. I, I know it's it's popular to say we give Him glory. I'm not so sure we we give him glory you know i mm. think i think he is sufficient in and of himself his glory and his i like his what the being. psalmist says we ascribe we ascribe and, yeah. yeah and we recognize mm-hmm. and we respond which is what real worship really is mm-hmm. worship is responding and so the way i would i would say it is god uh, desires that we respond to his glory which is a part of his beauty which is a part of his awesomeness and and the heart of who he is and i think that's what worship is so uh why is it God wants to be glorified? I'm not so sure he wants to yeah, be glorified. It's not a jealous God who, you know, wants the attention. Yeah, here, here, I want you to do this for me. I think, you know, God is, is sufficient in, in and of himself. But if we're going to walk with him and, and, and place ourselves in this dangerous place before his throne, we respond to that glory. And, and, and like so many in the Bible from Isaiah on, we say, you are glorious. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you, Michael. And thanks to all who have joined us here in the studio with Michael Card today. We value your input about the program, so consider this an invitation to get in touch with us and let us know what you think of today's broadcast. You can send your comments to studio at michaelcard.com. And you have no idea how encouraging your email is for Michael and all of us here. So pass along your Bible questions, song requests, and prayer needs when you get in touch with us at studio at michaelcard.com. And more information about this program can be easily found at michaelcard.com. Through the web, you can stay connected with all that's going on behind the scenes. And this year has many concerts scheduled, so we hope you'll pray for Michael as he's on the road. The complete travel schedule is posted so you can stay aware of when he'll be in your area. And if you missed any part of this broadcast or if you'd like to listen again, then we hope you'll take full advantage of our radio archive. CD copies or printed transcripts of this or any in the studio program are also available to order. Learn for yourself about the complete listing of Michael's music and books, which can be found online, including the latest eight CD teaching enhancement to the study on the life of Simon Peter. Great resources extending the impact of this broadcast are just a few clicks away at michaelcard.com. The scriptures used today were from the New Living Translation. Our producer is Joe Carlson. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Card. In the Studio with Michael Card is a production of Community Broadcasting and the Moody Broadcasting Network.